If I'm not free within my own skin, where am I free? These people out here that are closing and attempting to stop abortion, and we choose to take them on politically and, you know, defeat their arguments. There's also that group of individuals who really would like to see a purified race, if you will. We've learned a lot about Darwin's racist who really determined through the likes of Margaret Sanger to put abortion clinics in communities where the disenfranchised and the poor and the black and Hispanic community lived to rid our society of those that didn't look like them. And so when you have that mindset, then certainly life is not valuable. You can discard it if they don't meet your expectations or your standards. The battle continues in the hearts and minds of people all over the world on the topic of abortion. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman. I'm Kevin Harris. And Pat, I hope that people don't turn away because some people are just tired of the whole issue. But it's an issue that still needs to be front of mind. It still needs to be fought and won by any thinking person. And that is the preservation, I would say, of life. And you have a special guest today as we continue part two on the show on abortion. Yes, Kevin, our special guest is Carmen Pate. She's been active in the pro-life movement for 25 years. She presently serves on the board of 40 Days for Life National Campaign. She's a mother of three children and six grandchildren, and she's the former president of the Concerned Women for America. And I was a card-carrying member of that, and so you don't have to be a uh, woman to be a part of Concerned <laughs> Women for America. Just got to be secure in your masculinity. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, is that a great place to meet quality women, Carmen? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely it is. I can, right. I can attest to that. And Carmen, in my intro, yeah. I said that uh, perhaps we've kind of gotten complacent about this mm-hmm. issue and the people are saying, well, I'm tired of fighting this battle. I'm tired of talking about it. I find it necessary, therefore, to do a disclaimer like that, to say, no, hang with us. We're far from the finish line. Oh, no doubt about it. I think one of the things that always draws me back in is the fact that there are conservatively uh, close to 50 million women and men across America who are suffering from the aftermath of abortion. We know there are close to 50 million babies uh, whose lives have been taken, and we have lost a generation of people. And so at what point do we say enough is enough? And I think as we have provided safe havens, particularly through the Internet, for women to be honest about their abortion experiences, more and more women have come forward. And Silent No More, you probably have heard of that organization. Silent No More is an organization for women to speak out about their abortion experiences. And it's heartbreaking to hear the devastation that has taken place in the lives of women. And the reason they come forward, like myself, is that we don't want our daughters and our granddaughters and our sisters to suffer in the way that we have because we were deceived. And I think we all in one accord are saying The enemy is not going to deceive my children because I'm going to make sure that they know the truth about abortion. And so that's sort of the commitment that has been made by this group of women. And it certainly is the commitment that I have made in my own life because I, too, have chosen abortion not once but twice. 
you know, I share my story oftentimes in churches and in women's groups. And normally when I do so, I share it in third person. And the reason is because I have been blessed with the opportunity to have healing and restoration by Jesus Christ. So I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And I don't have to live in my past. But if I can share my story to help someone else who has not been healed or restored, then I'm, I want to do that. Yes, Carmen, you come from a very unique perspective. And many, you know, may be thinking about abortion at mm-hmm. this time. And so your words are going to be a tremendously powerful uh, ministry to them at this time. But tell us how it started. I mean, you found out you were pregnant. How old were you and what were you thinking through that whole process? Well, just a little quickly, just a little bit of background. I was sexually abused as a child and lived in a home with a a verbally and mentally abusive father, Uh, was always looking for acceptance and love, affection, and I didn't get it at home. And so I became uh, sexually promiscuous through high school and actually became pregnant outside of high school and had my first child. At that time, uh, it was really a a stigma around out-of-wedlock pregnancies, and I was forced to marry the father of my child. And unfortunately, the, the marriage did not last. It was not based on love. It was based on circumstances and but during that marriage, I also I had a second child in trying to keep that marriage together. But I married again very quickly, and I married a man who was, was abusive, and he left me, and I became very angry at God and at men, thinking, isn't there just one that would love me, just one that would value me and, and show me the affection that I'm looking for? I was looking for love, and yet I was looking for it, as the old cliche goes, in all the wrong places. And so I continued to be sexually promiscuous, and when I found myself pregnant again, I was a single mom, and I had a career, and I thought, there's no other choice. I leaned to my feminist friends at the time for advice. And, of course, they agreed, my goodness, you can't keep this child. And so I chose to abort. And it was a decision that was made quickly, thinking that all of my problems would be over. And I sort of put in the back of my mind what I had done. I pushed forward with my career and uh, tried to forget uh, the, the decision I'd made. I justified it in my mind because I, I thought, you know, it's legal. Now, if it were legal, then it can't be wrong, right? And this is a deception that a lot of young women today believe that because it's legal, it must be right. Well, again, that's a lie from the enemy that he uses. The lie that I had from my feminist friends that, you know, your career is more important than you having another child. So that would be a wise decision for you to make. Again, not being... Um, wise in my relationships in that time time period. I I was continued in my promiscuity, ended up pregnant again, and as is often the case, I chose abortion again. Except this time, my response internally was different. I had accepted Christ as a child and uh, knew what it meant to be a Christian, but 
I had never grown in my walk with the Lord. I didn't understand about sin and how could I still sin if I was I was a Christian with all those 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 uh, uh, misunderstandings about God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and and his uh, empowering of the Holy Spirit to help you make wise decisions. None of that was I, I didn't grasp any of that. And so at that point, uh, after I had my second abortion, it's as though the Lord told me enough is enough. And I was broken. I was absolutely broken. I felt a void in my being, uh, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually. And I went crying back to the Lord uh, to forgive me and to help me not to live like this any longer. And only as the Lord would do, he did forgive. And he brought people into my life who taught me truth about the decision that I had made and led me on a path of healing and restoration in Jesus Christ. That is my story in a nutshell, and certainly there are a lot of, of side uh, details that, that we don't need to get into. But but I think bottom line, for those who might be listening today who are considering uh, choosing abortion, let me just say, first of all, that you are carrying a child. And what you may think is the end of your life, is actually the beginning of two lives and that God has a plan for you and your child. And it's a plan that only he can help you uh, to to come through the, the difficult decisions that you have to make right now. He is the one who can bring people to come alongside you so that you will have the resources you need to provide for you and your child. Uh, but choosing abortion is not going to be the solution. Instead, it's opening the door for many, many, many more heartaches and regrets that will be with you the rest of your life. Uh, so you're a young woman today who's making that decision is at a crossroads between life and death. If she chooses abortion, she's not only choosing death for the child, but in a sense, she's choosing death for herself. By God's grace, there is forgiveness. It's not the unpardonable sin, and yet there are consequences that will remain a lifetime. Yeah, Carmen, you know, how did the the church respond? You know, I know in situations where there is sin, many of us feel like, oh, we've committed the unpardonable sin, and there are those in the church waiting to condemn and lecture and cast us out. Yet there are many who are gracious and understand grace and willing to reach out and restore us, uh, not only to fellowship, but to relationship with them and walk alongside us through that whole thing. Mm. But what was your experience? Did you experience both? Or Yes, I did experience both. And I, th- I think that's that's pretty common. And, uh, you know, uh, we always talk about when I teach on the issue of forgiveness there are internal sins and there are external sins. Uh, those who have external sins, we all know about. And, and you might quickly relate to the, the town drunk or the, the one that we know is involved in, uh, uh, you know, uh, has an affair or prostitution or an abortion or homosexual. And we see the external and it's very quick for us to say, well, that's wrong. And yet the Lord is also very, very grieved by gossip and slander and uh, condemnation and being judgmental and lying and 
Uh, so, so we often overlook those sins and categorize them. My encouragement to those in the church would be to come alongside those who have fallen because we all have fallen. We all have fallen. And to be able to reach out with grace and mercy and to show them truth, to help them understand that those who choose abortion are not the enemy. The abortionist is not the enemy or those who work in the, in the clinics. They're not the enemy, but they've all been deceived by the enemy. They all have. They've all believed his lies, and they're living out the lie instead of the truth that we have in Jesus Christ. So if we could sort of be on the same playing field and that we all need truth, we all need God's grace, we all need God's mercy, uh, then we can reach out and help one another with the love and the compassion that Christ has shown us. Boy, that just really needs to describe our churches today. Mm. Uh, in our congregations, because uh, so often it's a place to be socially accepted and to excel socially and um, not a place of grace. And what could be worse than a young woman who has um, had an abortion to not be welcome and not be healed and restored in the only place that she can be, Mm. and that is in Christ and among his people. Yes, yes. I'm preaching to the choir here on that, but we really need to be sensitive, don't we? We certainly do. You know, Dr. Vincent LaRue has done a lot of studies on women who have had abortions. And he says, you know, we have a a pandemic in our our society in that we have a whole generation of hurting women and men. And the reason they're hurting is because they've not been able to find a safe haven to tell their story, to receive the healing that they need to have. You think about it. You have a woman who's had an abortion. You have the pro-abortion side telling her she doesn't hurt. They're telling her there is no pain. They're telling her there is no consequence. They're telling her there's no such thing as post-abortion syndrome. So if they believe the pro-abortion side, they're not going to seek healing because they've just been told there's nothing wrong with them. Then they go to a church, and the church, and this, again, speaking in generalities, and if the church says you are condemned for what you did, you know, you've committed the unpardonable sin, there is no hope for you, uh, you'll never change, Uh, then again, they are not going to be drawn to that sort of environment. So they don't tell their story there. So they don't receive the hope and the healing and the restoration that is there. So he says, you know, we have men and women in this country who are in desperate need of healing, but they won't receive it because we've not created that safe environment for them to get to the first step, which is to tell their story. Well, you you know, you bring up a great point, not only for those who may have suffered abortion, but divorce, oh, uh, drugs, yes. you know, maybe some criminal activity, um, you know, where can they go? You know, and they need a place where they can go and share their story and mm-hmm. uh, for people to walk along beside them and bring them yes. to restoration. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful message that you're bringing here. Well, when you think about it, isn't the church where we want people to go to be healed mm-hmm. and see what happens when the church doesn't do their part? And I'm speaking of the church body. When we don't do our part as the church body, 
don't we almost give it to the government? Isn't that why the government has to step in and provide rehab and all these things? Because the church hasn't done our part. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, and if you think about it, here I, you know, a young pregnant, here's a young pregnant girl. Mm-hmm. And the abortion clinic is saying, come on over. We'll accept mm. you. We'll receive you. We'll help you. We'll come alongside you uh, through this whole process. And, you know, and the church needs to be there and say, no, you come here and we'll, through truth, walk you through the process instead of saying, oh, you wicked woman, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to wear the scarlet letter from now on, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, as long as you're here. You know, you can see that tremendous enticement a young pregnant girl would have from these abortion clinics saying, come on over, we'll fund this thing, we'll help you through this whole... Is, is that what you were facing? Well, and well, and, and in some ways, yes, that's what most most women face. And But, you know, we do have some churches today who get it, who understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, so, in a, and so in a lot of ways, it's self-imposed. Yes. I mean, you could go to a very accepting church who really wants to see you mm-hmm. healed and, and does get this. Yes. And, uh, and yet... It's also difficult to receive grace sometimes, yes. isn't it? Yes. You know, so. Yes, because sometimes it's hard for a young woman to forgive herself. Uh, people tell her that Christ has forgiven her, uh, that she can move on with her life, but sometimes it's hard for her to forgive herself. So she needs someone to come alongside her again, a mentor, uh, someone that will, that will uh, go to the Scripture with her, pray with her, help her to understand that to uh, that if God has forgiven her, if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has says you are forgiven, then who are you to say that your your sin is not is is too great for God to to forgive? Uh, so we need to help her understand that that forgiveness is for her, and to encourage her to attend uh, post abortion uh, Bible counseling, which is available. Not only in churches, but pregnancy care centers around the country offer post-abortion recovery programs, counseling, Bible studies to help women get back on their feet. Do you recommend this for women even Mm. if they've had an abortion like years ago? Oh, yes, yes. I'm amazed when I speak Oftentimes, there will be elderly women, and when I'm saying elderly, I'm, I'm speaking of women who are in their uh, 80s uh, or older who will come and say, you know, I've never told a soul, but I had an abortion, and, and they had an abortion when it wasn't legal to have an abortion, and they talk about how it has impacted their entire life in a negative way and how, how important it is to have the freedom to let people know so that you could get the help that you need. Well, you know, Carmen, I was uh, talking to a a young lady who uh, had an abortion when she was young, and uh, her child would be 10 years old now. Mm -hmm. And though she's married and she has two kids with her husband now, she says every time she sees a girl about 9, 10 years old, she can't help but think, wow, that, that could be my daughter. And that uh, it just doesn't go away. No. You know? is, is, uh, that's some of the things that uh, you're talking about that, yes. that uh, women who go through abortion struggle through, isn't it? Oh, definitely. You see, the Lord gives women, uh, I believe, this natural instinct uh, to love and nurture their children. And when that child is taken away, 
um, there's a void. Like when a woman miscarries, miscarries uh, a child, uh, the pain and the emotion, uh, and there's never been closure uh, with a woman who has had an abortion. Uh, there's not, there wasn't the, the grieving process that is normally occurs when there's a miscarriage. And then when you add to that the fact that you chose mm. to lose that child, uh, there's a tremendous amount of guilt that, that overcomes that woman. Isn't it ironic that abortion rights groups offer counseling for women who have miscarried and the pain of that, but not for the pain of an abortion yes, because that would undercut what they're trying to do. Exactly. And make abortion very acceptable and so on. My wife ran across a group of, of Christian women on Facebook who are struggling with whether to put their daughters, their high school daughters on the pill mm. on birth control. And the reason it's even a big issue is because they've noticed locally that it's often the girls who are upper middle class and from good churches and good families that are getting pregnant mm. and struggling with this issue. Uh, I imagine you have a, a few things to say about that. I mean, oh well, yes, I think that uh, birth control for these young girls gives them a false sense of security, thinking that I can actually do whatever I want to do because I'm taking these pills, so I'm not going to get pregnant. First of all, it doesn't ensure that they won't get pregnant because we know that uh, particularly the low-dose birth control pills are not going to keep them necessarily from getting pregnant. We know that they don't protect from STDs, which are, uh, I mean, we have uh, an epidemic in this country of STDs, young people. And then, of course, it never protects the heart. It just seems to send a a mixed signal, too. It does. You are not to be promiscuous, and you need to wait until you get married. But, however, I am going to put you on the the pill in case you don't have the self-control. Well, and that's basically what you're telling a child. You're saying, I know that you don't really have the strength to say no, the power to say no. And it's also saying to me, as a parent, it's saying, and I'm also not willing to spend time to teach you some methods to say no. In other words, to teach them how to make wise choices. We should respect the fact that our kids have a mind. They can make wise decisions. And as parents, we can guide them in how to do that, help them to set boundaries uh, so that they can uh, make life-honoring choices that will help them to see their dreams fulfilled. Well, Carmen, in the last couple minutes we have here, What can we do to win this war on abortion, which I think is a winnable war? Oh, it definitely is a winnable war. The hearts and minds in America are being changed about the issue of abortion. And the first thing I would say we can do is we can pray. And there is actually an organization which I'm happy to be a part of. It's called the 40 Days for Life campaign. Twice a year, we encourage people, cities across the nation, uh, around the world, to join in 40 days of prayer and fasting and community outreach to tell the truth about abortion. And uh, our listeners can go to 4040daysforlife.org, 40daysforlife.org, and learn uh, about the next 40 Days event, which will begin in in the middle of September. Uh, A great opportunity to come together 
uh, to repent as a nation for allowing abortion to go on for this many years without really stopping it. And then also just to seek God's wisdom, his direction and his intervention to see an end to abortion. Also, legislatively, we know that we have an administration, a Congress that is trying to outdo or overrule uh, all the good things that have been done by the pro-life movement over the years through the Freedom of Choice Act. This is sort of being brought in stealth by stealth, if you will, through the health care reform debate that is now going on. I would encourage our listeners to visit StopTheAbortionMandate.com, StopTheAbortionMandate.com, and there you will learn uh, how the health care reform bill will be the largest expansion of abortion that we've seen in this nation since Roe v. Wade. Uh, you need to contact your legislators, let them know that you uh, are not in favor of abortion being covered by this. Uh, abortion is not health care. Thank you, Carmen. Thanks for being a guest. Uh, to hear this entire interview, uh, go to evidenceandanswers.org, and you can hear the whole thing, not only this week, but last week. So, Carmen, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being with us. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and intellectually considers the claims of Christ in an honest and loving way. And we'd like to ask you to join us. Please support us with your tax-deductible financial gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus. It's all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.